On today's episode of the podcast, I talk about self-care and particularly finding discipline and motivation around self-care. We deserve to feel really great, not just physically in our bodies, but also emotionally in our hearts, mentally in our minds, spiritually in our spirit. We deserve to wake up every morning and feel grounded and whole. Now, not every week is the same. Not every day is the same. Some days it's going to be really hard to take care of ourselves. So having a routine and a disciplined thing that you do every day where you just show up for yourself really is crucial, especially if you're having kind of an easy time in life right now, nailing down that routine so that when a challenge comes your way, it's going to be so much easier to actually stay consistent and stay committed. So today we really dive into the topic of self-care. Sometimes in life, skepticism can serve you well. It can save you money, keep you from wasting a day at a timeshare presentation, and help you avoid spreading gossip. To be honest, when I am faced with a new scenario, I usually tend to be a skeptic until something proves me wrong. And if you're like me, you can probably spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away and read labels like it's your job. That's where ritual comes in. They know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. Their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has high quality, traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. Take two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption and you'll get nine key nutrients. Rituals Essential for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. On top of that, Ritual multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I take my vitamins every morning with breakfast. It's part of my daily ritual and I feel so good doing it. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. Let's jump in. All right, my friends. Hello, hello. Welcome. Welcome here. Welcome home. Wouldn't it be so lovely if I got to welcome you home to my actual home? We would sit down and drink some... What kind of tea did I drink today? I drank yarrow and fennel tea today. So we would drink that and then we would eat some apple cinnamon rosehip muffins that I just baked. And we would light some candles and just kind of talk about life. Let's envision and imagine that that's what we're doing. I actually have the tea and I have the muffin, but if you want to grab yourself something delicious to drink and just kind of cozy up in your favorite corner of the couch, or maybe you're out for a walk out in nature, I don't know how you actually normally listen to this pod. I would love to know, maybe you should invite me to your home. So I can see what you're drinking and what you're eating. I feel like we are all very inspired by fall right now. This really is, it's, there's something about starting to bake, at least for me, whenever the, the days get a little bit shorter, the nights get longer, it's getting darker, colder outside. I immediately want to bake more sweet 
things. <laughs> like, like I, I immediately want to bake just like spiced, and it doesn't have to be pumpkin spice, but just something warming. And I want it to be sweet. I have no real inspiration to like bake bread or cook savory stuff. I just want to bake muffins <laughs> and cake. In the last three days, I've made a pumpkin spice loaf, a carrot cake, like a frosted carrot cake that actually kind of failed. I don't know what I did, but I failed with the frosting. The cake was good. The frosting didn't, didn't work out. And then these muffins I just made and I just put a bunch of rosehip, like ground up dried rosehip powder, which is so incredibly nutritious. It's an amazing way to just get more vitamin C in your diet is to go out and forage yourself some rose hips. It's the most amazing thing. And the season for it is, is right now, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere where they are so abundant right now. And all you do is whenever you're walking your baby in your stroller, you do that, right? I have now joined the club. I was really resentful and upset about the whole world walking their babies in their stroller because for almost three months, Finn just refused. The st as soon as he got in the stroller, he was like, what the hell is this? This sucks. <laughs> Get me out of here. And over the past, just like not even two weeks. I mean, two weeks, things have been a lot easier. But the past week, we have been able to make the stroller nap like a thing. And we're finally like, I catch him in his like sleepy moment. I'm like, oh my God, like, let's go put on my rain boots because they're the only shoes I can actually put on without using my hands. I just could step into them, put them in the stroller and off we go. And uh, I have, feel like, and then he falls asleep and he sleeps not for so long. It's not like we're Ah, I wish he slept longer. He sleeps more or less like 40, 45 minutes max in the stroller, but it's better than nothing. And it means I get to be outside and I get to go foraging for rose hips. So yeah, I'm so glad I've joined everybody's little stroller walking baby club. It's, it's awesome. If you haven't joined us yet, or if you haven't at all, it's okay. You're doing a fantastic job. Not all babies like to sleep in the stroller. We know this is just truth. So yeah, you put your baby in the stroller or you take your dog for a walk or you just go outside. Maybe you're listening to this podcast. And then the next time you come across an, a rose bush and you see it filled with these bright red, orange, they're kind of like fire truck red. They're just such a gorgeous color, plump looking, shiny, delicious rose hips. You pick some. And important rule of foraging whenever we are foraging in the wild is make sure that wherever you are foraging that it's not close to like a highway or a major you know heavily trafficated road because then you're gonna have all the stuff from all the cars <laughs> the exhaust and everything uh, you might have some polluted herbs around those areas unfortunately and then don't pick everything off the bush so if you find this amazing rose bush you know and you're like oh my god look at look at them just take a little bit take a couple of handfuls and then you'll find another rose bush and you take more rose hips there just kind of scatter your foraging if you if possible now obviously if you are growing your roses yourself you can take everything that you want. It's your garden, you choose. But it's really nice to leave something for the birds and for all the animals that really need that nutrition for the winter. This is an important time for so much wildlife right now where they really stock up and get all the berries and the fruits and the nutrition that they need for this next cold season. So don't take everything. And then what I love to do, I mean, ask permission. And this is something just 
you can do really quietly. Like before I picked my first rose hip off of a bush, like yesterday I foraged, I walked Finn three times, I think in the stroller. Each time I found another bush <laughs> to forage from. And I just say hi, like I might hold a rose hip still attached to the branch in my hand and just take a moment there. Like, like, like I'm shaking the, I'm shaking that herb's hand. Like, Hey, how are you? Nice to meet you. Is it okay? Can I pick from this abundance? You know, is, is that all right? And you feel just for what that response is like. And sometimes I've had it, I've had it happen actually once with a rose bush where I was kind of rushing and I'm like, oh, I want these rose hips. And I did like a really quick, but not super authentic, like moment where I asked for permission. I'm like, this is fine, right? Give me the rose hips. And I immediately stung myself on a thorn, like pretty bad. And I was like, oh, that was a no. <laughs> that was a hard no. I was not respectful. I didn't ask like politely and in a grounded way. And that bush, she just didn't want me to have her fruit, you know, and then you move on and you go to the next one. <laughs> I think it's so beautiful when we start to live in more relationship with plants and we realize that we can actually speak with them and they absolutely in so many ways communicate back. I mean, this is just just truth. So uh, once you have your rose hips, I love that this podcast now is a little little rose hip tutorial. You are very welcome. When you bring them home, so I did two things today. No, I did three things. Okay. And how did I do three things? I, Finn had a long nap, but that's not when I did all my things. <laughs> he had a long nap, which I was so grateful for in the morning. Two hours, 45 minutes. It's the longest nap he's ever had uh, on his own in a bed. We were just in shock the whole time. Like I was like kind of butterflying from thing to thing because I didn't know <laughs> what to do with myself. But I did work out and I did my yoga practice and my breath work and I took my dip. Like I just had this wonderful little morning. But it's not when I was productive processing my rose hips. That I did with him lying on the play mat on the floor. And he has these little windows. Like, you know, he can't, he's not happy for very long, like on his own. He prefers to be held. He prefers to have someone's presence 100%. So if you're sitting with him, talking to him, telling him a story or letting him tell you a story and really engaging with him, he's happy for a really long time. He's not the kind of baby that just wants to be like on a play mat on the floor minding his business. No, I don't know if many babies are. Some are. I feel like Leia... <laughs> is like the world's most easygoing human being. I don't know. She's so easygoing. I feel like she's going to just float off the earth at some point. Like she's not really fully tethered. <laughs> like She's very Piscean. She's just every day she takes the bus. It's like an exercise in just surrender because she just trusts that someone is going to tell her when it's time to get off the bus. She's still after weeks of riding the bus has no idea how to stop the bus and get off at the right spot. She can't. So um, yeah, she's just very, very, very out there. But I feel like she was as easygoing and like floaty and like doing her own thing, head in the clouds kind of thing when she was a baby. Finn is not like that. Finn is very, very earthy. Like he's very like, you know, needs us 100. He, he really wants us here, here, here. He even sleeps. He will wrap his whole hand around my finger or grab my shirt when he falls asleep. That's kind of like an like a, a reassurance, like you're here, right? Like you're not going anywhere. And Leia was not like that. Or with Leia, you could kind of put her on the floor or we had one of those little baby, like baby Bjorn, like little bouncers where they can like bounce themselves, you know, that kind of thing. She loved it. Finn hates it. <laughs> and he will be on the floor for like a little bit 
and he'll start on his back. And then I'm like, okay, I have like seven, eight minutes, maybe not, maybe not even, maybe I have five. And then he starts to complain like, this is boring now. Hello, what are you doing? And then, okay, I flip him on his tummy, which is where he wants to be. He love he prefers to just live life on his tummy. He's practicing now pulling his knees in, kind of getting up on all fours, like trying and just kind of worms his way forward. <laughs> literally like a caterpillar you know where they like stretch all the way out and then they pull all the way in and then they like inch themselves forward that way like it looks really funny and then I have more minutes when he's on his tummy but then eventually I need to do what I'm doing with one hand because I kind of can hold him with one hand now finally that newborn phase where you need both arms to like support the head and the neck and their whole body they're just kind of like a sack of flour you know that time is over he doesn't sit fully comfortably on my hip yet. He's not that big, but I can hold him with one arm and his head and neck is really steady now. So that's, that's good. It helps me get some stuff done. But so, yeah, I do that. And the three things I was able to do with him on the floor and kind of semi, you know, semi, semi like on board with what we're doing is I made rosehip soup. Okay. If you've never had, and this is a very Swedish thing, like you can go into any any grocery store in Sweden, literally any grocery store, even probably like some gas stations will sell this. They'll sell in like a little Tetra pack, like a little carton of rosehip soup. It's just like very traditional. I've had it my whole life growing up. Now the version of it that they sell in the stores is full of sugar. It's full of just stuff. There's not, I mean, there's rosehips in there. It's made from rosehips, but it's not like the first ingredient or anything. But you can make your own and it's amazing because when you make your own, you don't have to take the seeds out and taking the seeds out of the rose hip is the most time consuming kind of annoying part. The seeds, if you try to eat them, they will make your whole insides itch like they're they're terrible. <laughs> so don't, don't try to eat the seeds. But if you make soup, you just boil them and then use a little hand blender, mix everything together and the seeds are big enough that they won't blend into the mix and then you strain it and you're left with this amazing thick, luscious rosehip soup. And then you add some honey or maple syrup or sugar, whatever you want to sweeten a little bit. And you drink it warm out of a mug. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. It could be dessert. Like you can make it sweet enough for it to be like a dessert thing. You could crumble a little cookie in there. So good. We eat them in Sweden with like little almond cookies traditionally. Um, but you can also make it not so sweet, like at all, just sweeten a tiny bit. And it's breakfast. Like it's so good. Rose hips have so much vitamin C. It's just the most amazing thing. So I did that. And then I did with a whole batch, I just cut them in half and I did the thing where I scooped the seeds out because I want to preserve them for tea. And I was thinking to grind some down and dry them and have a powder because it's really nice to have rose hip powder to just like throw a spoonful in the smoothie. Or what I did today was I put two teaspoons no, two tables, no, two heaping big teaspoons of rosehip powder in the muffin. Just like such a great way to just get a little boost in the fall. But yeah, so that was my little rosehip, little rosehip tutorial. You're welcome. Enjoy. But it's so beautiful that we are in this place of fall now where the days are still pretty long here. We haven't arrived at that point in Sweden yet where it feels like, you know, the day ends in the middle of the day, which is what happens in the wintertime when the sun sets at like 2.30 p.m., <laughs> which is a trip. We still have like the full day, but it's getting dark at night. And that's that's nice. And it's getting colder. 
I'm taking my little dips in the lake and every day it's like I really can feel the temperature dropping very slowly. I feel like the temperature drops much quicker in the air than it does in the lake. It takes longer for the lake to get really cold. But it's just such a delicious time. I don't know. Last week I felt like it was happening too soon and oh my God, where did summer go? Now I'm like, no, you know what? I'm excited to light our first fire at home. I'm excited to have these cozy days. I'm excited to be baking and just, you know, really enjoying time at home with the family. It's been a really, yeah, beautiful week so far. Do scents evoke memories and transport you back to being on the beach during your favorite vacation? I know they do for me. Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil smells like summer or the beach in Aruba, bottled with all natural uplifting notes of mango, mandarin, grapefruit, lime, and cypress. But it's not just about the elevated scent. This body oil is clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and deeply moisturize, leaving skin silky and soft. It delivers that coveted post-vacation glow, like you just returned from a tropical getaway. And right now, you can get 10% off your first order with our code YOGA at OseaMalibu.com. I love Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil. I use it every single day and I have for so many years. It makes me feel silky smooth and just glowing. This body oil is rich but never greasy and clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity. It visibly firms your skin, leaving you more sculpted and toned. No wonder I feel so great after using it. But it gets even better. With Osea, you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Osea's products are clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. They are a women-founded company that has been making seaweed-infused skincare for over 28 years. So bring on summer. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean vegan skin and body care at Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code YOGA at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. I have um, had some major revelations actually over the past little week. Um, I shared this on social media the other day. I'm just, I'm in a very good place when it comes to my self-care and my my routine right now, which is very hard to do when you have a baby. So if you're listening to this and you're like, how on earth is that possible for her? That feels really unfair. Maybe I, you know, I could I could see myself being one of those moms that could trigger another mom the way I was so triggered by everyone who was out walking with their babies in a stroller. I was also triggered by all the moms who were out at restaurants and doing things. And I'm like, I'm stuck here on a Pilates ball bouncing a baby. That's so sad. (laughs) I could also see like people being triggered by me because so much is so easy here. Even when things are hard, I feel I'm so blessed to have Dennis home almost all the time. So if I need a break, I have a person there. Most people have their partner or their spouse at work all day, or they are back at work themselves and have to drop baby off at daycare, which it's just heartbreakingly difficult. So yes, yeah, so if anything, if anything about my ease in this past week is triggering for any new mom listening, I you're totally allowed. You have my full permission. Okay. I feel like as long as we don't, you know, go into like personal engaging personally about our triggers with people who trigger trigger us, <laughs> I feel like it's totally okay to be triggered by everything. Like that's our business. You know, whatever triggers me is my business. It's up to me what I do with that. Those are my emotions. It's my experience, my responsibility to process that and either 
learn something about myself or kind of shake it out and let it go or, you know, change something or unfollow someone. That's like a really great way to, if you don't want to be triggered by someone and they're triggering you. I feel like when people really cross the line into difficult, difficult world, (laughs) difficult land, (laughs) people go into difficult land when they go on people's Instagrams and go, fuck you, you're so fucking privileged, I hate you. (laughs) Or it's really annoying to hear you say that you're struggling with sleep when everything is so easy in your life. Or just projecting our triggers on that other person as if it's their business, how we feel about how they live their life. You know, it's not. Like the people that triggered me with their beautiful restaurant dinners with their babies and their strollers, like it's not their business that they're triggering me. There's nothing about how they live that they should change or take into account just because I'm triggered by the content that they share. Like, I find it so strange how people sometimes get triggered by something and they're like, oh my God, that's your fault. I'm triggered now. So it means you need to fix your your life. You need to change this. You need to stop talking about this thing that's triggering me. You need to stop doing this thing because I can't watch it without getting upset. That's so bizarre. Like it's a really weird, skewed way to look at the world. Unless the thing you're triggered by is like harm, you know, people doing something harmful, people being racist assholes online, people, you know, harming people. Like that's some that's one thing. I'm not not talking about that. I'm talking about those regular everyday triggers that just yeah, that where we get where we get triggered all the time. And it's so great when we can arrive at a place of just acknowledging like, hey, this is triggering for me. Okay, hmm. So what are my options here? Like, why is this a trigger? Obviously, for me, those last triggers I had, it was really obvious. Like, I'm jealous. I want that ease. I feel like I'm failing. When I see another mother doing something that looks effortless to them and it's super hard for me, I feel like I suck. I feel like I should be doing better. I'm I'm not good enough. You know, I go into this like story in my head even though that's not true, right? And even though that that moment of comparison doesn't do anything other than just fuel the flames of that that struggle that I'm already in. It's never, ever helpful to sit in that chair of just comparing our lives to other people's, especially online where we don't see, we see the little highlight reel of whatever they choose to share that day. And even the people who share very authentically, you know, totally from the heart, really like, look at me and my struggles and here's my life. They still choose what they share, right? Like they could be just sharing their everyday stuff and you think you're really getting that full picture of what their life is. Like that's so raw and so honest. And they might be going through something totally wild on the side of that, that they are not mentioning. I, a person I follow online who I really am inspired by, who I feel like, oh, it's just like so like looks at life in such a such a beautiful way and has a way to just move through struggles so gracefully and just felt like a very steady person, like all of a sudden came out and said, oh, for the past year, I've been suicidal. And I was like, what? Like, that's that's so wild. And it's not, of course, not their responsibility to share that with the world in any way. But it was a little wake up call for me, like, oh, this is one of those people I I really felt like I'm comparing my life to a little bit and they have it so together and like no they don't no one has all of their shit together all the time like no I don't have my shit together the stroller influencer moms at dinner 
don't have their shit together. You listening, you don't have your shit together. None of us have our shit together. And the beautiful thing about feeling triggered by stuff is that it's a moment to learn something about who we are. It could be a moment to learn what that trigger actually means, where it stems from. Is it really old? Does it come from this old wound of something that happened long, long ago? Or is it brand new relating to your situation right now? You know, does it align with that inner critical voice that you have in the back of your head? And that's why you're triggered. So actually the thing you're really triggered by is yourself, is your own negative inner hateful voice. It's just amplified and louder by the things that you look at online. You know, or are you triggered because, yeah, this is not for you. Like this just doesn't inspire you. This is not helpful for you. You don't resonate with this person at all anymore. And it's just, oh, well, leave them then, you know, unfollow or unfriend. Like we can do that as grownups. Like I have arrived at moments in my life where a relationship just served its purpose. Like, you know, this isn't working anymore. Like it's okay to set a boundary and to walk away if things are not good, right? I don't know. I'm just forever and always in awe of, of the internet. <laughs> I am forever and in awe of people on the internet. I do feel like I'm in a really good spot with my my people online, like you listening. And then and it's also, I think, because of what I share. I feel like I'm ranting less about the state of the world these days because I'm just so absorbed in my little bubble of family. And I'm spending more time just sharing like the herbs I'm picking. <laughs> I'm talking more about rose hips than I am, you know, the, the great divide, which I still, of course, you know, care so much about and spend a lot of time talking about in my, in my life and contemplating. I just am less in my Sagittarian, like truth at all costs kind of thing. You know, may the bridges I burn light the way. Like that's kind of how I lived so much of my life. And these days I just feel more mellow. I just feel more grounded. And as I said, I've had some just really good weeks in a row with my self-care, with my routine, which is a, a hard thing, right? With a baby, it's hard. And I'm glad I'm really glad I have done this. And he's really he's working now, which has been oh, I need him on the show. Like you guys have been asking for him on the show. Normally he's on the show. Every few months, I feel like, right? Like every quarter, a couple times a year, he's on the show. We, Especially when we had a big life change and stuff. And he hasn't been on the show for so long. And the reason that is, is because he hasn't been feeling good. Like it's just, and he'll tell anyone who like asks. Now he's he's doing good now. But the past months, like past year, I want to say, um, it's been it's been a hard time for him. And I think he hasn't wanted to come on the show because he hasn't wanted to really open that up, you know, in public. He's just, he's been kind of in the, in a shadowy place, figuring out like who he is after all of the transitions that we've been going through over the past years. And, uh, and he hasn't worked for so long. We, we talked about this last time he was on the show, which was now a long time ago. He was just job hunting. And I think then we had just moved to Sweden and he was, feeling a little nervous, but also excited. Like, okay, I'm looking for work now in Sweden for the first time. Like we're not working together within the company anymore. We worked together for so many years. We decided a long time ago to start to move away from that and for him to really get back to finding something he's super passionate about. And then we moved to Sweden. And I think we all kind of thought that that's going to happen so quickly, 
you know, like he's super intelligent, super capable, has amazing experience doing so much, like he's going to find something great, like a great fit right away. But he didn't. And it turned out to just be like a really, really hard, (laughs) hard thing, hard journey, which I can see now, like the reason he didn't end up at some job working for someone else, you know, he he applied for a lot of different things and none of it really was a fit or, or worked out. Um, was because he was supposed to really be in his own real biggest passion and do something out of that. And he needed to explore every angle, I think, before he arrived at a place of like, okay, well, it's me, right? I'm going to do this on my own the way I want to do it for me. So he is in the middle of starting a business now. And if you follow me on Instagram, you know, or you can probably guess the one thing my husband is more excited about than anything else than anything is coffee. And he started roasting his own coffee, which is so amazing. Really hard. I had no idea what went into like coffee roasting. I just, it's, it's, it's really a, a science, totally a science. And um, yeah, he's working really hard at some cool, amazing things that he hasn't. Yeah. Aside from just like, he's gonna be selling coffee like yeah (laughs) surprise surprise he has a lot of cool things just coming there and looking at him now like he's just a different I don't know there's a whole different air different quality about him when you meet him compared to like a couple months ago uh yeah he's just so passionate and passionate to the point of like say he the he say he's with a baby the baby's sleeping in the carrier and he might have his headphones in like listening to a podcast or watching a video or something he does these webinars like every time he's with the baby and the baby's asleep he watches these webinars on coffee roasting and the coffee business and taking courses and just listening to podcasts and just he's absorbing information like a sponge and for anyone who knows Dennis like that's not really how he operates normally like he's not I haven't I haven't seen him in that phase very few times I mean, in our whole relationship, and we've been together for so long, where he just gets completely absorbed in learning, like excitement to learn. Like he, yeah, it's a really fun, fun thing to see in him now. So I have no doubt, like he's going to be creating something amazing. But so yeah, so he's working now. He actually has a couple of things he's doing at the same time. But he has recognized and fully realized how important this little routine I have, how important that is that I have that every day. And he has seen like what happens if, yeah, everyone's stressed in the morning and Leia goes to school and he like rushes out the door and everyone leaves and I haven't had a chance to shower, get dressed. Like if I haven't brushed my teeth by the time the day starts, if I haven't had a moment to really do that, I like end up not brushing my teeth. (laughs) And then everyone comes home and I'm alone with the baby still in my PJs, like feeling like crap. And it's so easy that that happens when we're on maternity leave or parental leave, because there's no expectation on us. Like we can be in our PJs all day. And sometimes that's cozy and nice and relaxing. And sometimes it's just sad and it doesn't make us feel good, right? It's like the day is ending and it didn't even feel like it began kind of thing. So he's really noticed that in my mood, like, okay, like if he takes the baby for the first nap of the day and I have a whole window in the morning where I can do the things I need to do for my well-being, then the day is amazing. Like really, even if Finn is having a hard day, if he's not sleeping, if he's cranky, whatever's going on, I'm good. Like, cause I had that little window in the morning to fill up. And 
it is really amazing. There's something about having like a time pressure. <laughs> I feel like before Finn, I was, and I've, and now I look back, I'm like, I had all the time in the world. I mean, obviously I didn't, like we never do, but when you don't, when you have a baby, you realize like time before you had a baby was, <laughs> you had so much of it. You had so much more of it, the time, you know? And then we have a baby and we become very efficient with our time. And we also, I feel we have a very low bar of what we need to feel good. I talk about this with my friend Olivia, who also has a baby. Ziggy is, is he seven months? Yeah, he's seven months now. How little it takes. Like we can be in the worst mood. We're so tired. Our backs are aching. We're not sleeping. Everything is really hard. And then we get to like take a bath. <laughs> We get like a 30 minute, 20 minute window to like take a bath or do a little bit of yoga or like in my case, go to the lake, take a dip. I need 10 minutes. Like that's it. And then everything is so great again. You know, it's like we need so little <laughs> at this stage. Very low maintenance. The bar is so low. All we need is like a little thing. And then everything is fine and easy. And don't worry. No sleep is okay. It's fine. It's fine. You know, it's so funny. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Before Finn was here, I, because I didn't have that time crunch, I wasn't on any deadline. It wasn't like, okay, here's your window, do what you got to do. I kind of had all day. I could like, oh, maybe I do something later or I'll get on the mat or, and I didn't. You know, I really was not in a in a very routine place when it came to my self-care before I had Finn. I would sit in ceremony with tea a lot. Like that really was my thing. Like I was very, very anchored in the spiritual side of my self-care. Meditating absolutely every day. But when it came to moving my body, I had no inspiration, no motivation. I was kind of dragging myself through to my practice and dragging myself out the door to try to go for a run. I just didn't have flow. And this is, I'm talking now pre-pregnancy. Obviously during pregnancy, the little flow I had was just all gone. I did not have a perky, move your body, stay fit and excited pregnancy like so many other people do. No, I was just a whale on the couch. I was a beautiful whale. I felt amazing, like beautiful and full and excited about pregnancy, but I was not moving my body. And it wasn't until just the very end of pregnancy that I started to really feel like, oh my God, I miss, I miss my body. I missed just being able to like tie my shoes and also that idea of head out the door. That was a little vision I had in my head for a really long time, end of pregnancy when I was so heavy, I almost couldn't move, couldn't turn from side to side in bed, everything aching. I mean, yeah, you know, <laughs> you heard the podcast, then you know. And I had this vision of like someday, like it's going to be a long time, but someday I'll have like a body that feels like my own again. And I'll be able to just like put my running shoes on and head out the door. 
like that feeling like whoa it felt so far away it felt like a magical fairyland of an idea that was just so far away like it's never gonna happen but one day yes one day and now I'm starting to feel like that one day is kind of here <laughs> I haven't gone for a run yet I haven't done that I haven't like put my shoes on to head out the door but I am in a routine of moving my body, of self-care that hits all the areas of self-care, where I feel I'm doing something spiritually that is really nourishing me and filling me up. I'm doing something emotionally that's really, really, really just holding my heart in a way that I need in a way that makes me feel safe and grounded. I'm doing something for my physical body where I, I'm starting to feel strong and expansive and I have less pain now and I'm starting to feel like I'm returning to my body little by little. And I'm just kind of in this awesome routine. Yeah. And when I think about it, truly, the, the way I work the best, the only way I've ever like written a book, for example, is on a deadline, on a really firm deadline where I'm almost in the shit, where I'm so, okay, if I if I don't get it done by today, I am screwed and I'm letting other people down and like, this is a real deadline. Holy shit, gotta do it right now. That's when I do my best work. <laughs> it's really kind of how I do my, how I do my only work. I'm really bad at, and I was always like this, like it's in school also, if I knew I had a test, it's coming up in a month. I wasn't the person to like study a little bit every day or do one chapter of a book every day or one task or assignment every day. No, I would do it. nothing, 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 nothing. And then the night of the test, crunch time, I would read the whole book, do every assignment, do all the things, stay up all night, learn everything, squeeze it into my brain and then ace the test the next day. Like that was, <laughs> that was my thing. <laughs> And that's fine. Like we all work differently. I think I'm sure this has something to do with personality. I'm sure it's astrological. I'm sure that Enneagram says something about this too, like for sure. But that's fine if you can do that without stress. And I was never able to do that. I would always like, I knew I had the test coming and I would feel like I really should be studying for that test because it's going to get very stressful for me later. And I knew that, but I still, I wouldn't do it. I would procrastinate. And then no, next day, no tomorrow, tomorrow. But all the time leading up to the test, I would have that kind of weight on my shoulders of like, oh, I'm not measuring up in this area. I really should be doing something else. I'm kind of failing here. It's going to get very hard soon. And then the day before, I was just like, okay, let's go. So I really want to arrive at a place where the thing I'm just putting off, the deadline where it doesn't cause any stress, because then I think it's okay to work that way. It's very efficient. <laughs> if you can do it well and you can do it without feeling overwhelmed, if you can do it without burning out, great, wonderful. But for me, I generally tend to burn out, you know, working that way. It's not a very sustainable way to work. But when it comes to moving my body and when it comes to self-care, having that little deadline of here's my window, the baby's asleep, I don't know how long, like hopefully I have like 40 minutes because that's the sleep cycle for this baby. You know, maybe I have 40, maybe I only have 10 minutes today and he wakes up, he's super sad, he needs a boob. I don't know. Maybe I have two hours because he's asleep. Like I have no idea. And that sort of lights a fire inside of me where I'm like, okay, I'm so efficient. I'm not scrolling on my phone. I'm not wasting any time. I'm really kind of like, Dennis takes the baby for his first nap. Like he takes the monitor, okay. Or he actually walks him like in the carrier for the first nap. 
and I run. I like run. I, I, I just run into the living room where I have my little setup. I have my yoga mat. I have little weights there. They're very lightweight. So don't like, don't get too excited. <laughs> There's very light, chill weights that I have. I have one dumbbell. I know what that is now. And I have two things <laughs> that I don't know what they're called. What do you call the weights that you hold in each hand? You know, they have a name. Are they just called weights? You lift weights. Is that the word? Oh my God. Every gym person listening to this now is just laughing at me, I'm sure. Anyway, there are two things that you hold in your hands. (laughs) And they are kind of heavy, but these are not heavy. Okay. These are very light. I don't know what they're called, but you lift them. (laughs) Anyway. And then I have two, um, oh God, I don't know what they're called. They look like handles and you grasp them, you grip them and you do push-ups off of them. It's just easier on the wrists, I guess. I have a Pilates ball that I use for the baby. I have not used it for working out a single time. And then I have this one like exercise band that I've learned. Like you can step on it and you can use it for like resistance training in different ways. Like I have my little setup there, but it's always out. It's not like I put my things away. No, it's like that is a little space I am ready to step into any time, which is how I used to live my life with my yoga practice. My yoga mat was always rolled out in the space. I did yoga every single day. And sometimes I just walk by and like, oh, right. And I would step on my mat and there we go, you know. And now I have this like live, a live place where I can just step in and start. And I have little routines. I see a personal trainer once a week. She comes here and she's been so helpful because I really didn't know where to start. I didn't even feel really comfortable in my yoga practice in the beginning. I really wanted to start slowly and super gently and so mindful of my pelvic floor. I feel like my pelvic floor is, I mean, is it even there at this point? Like I now it's starting to feel better, but after giving birth and it wasn't from this birth, I think this is a whole other podcast we can, I I really want to talk about this because I'm realizing just how important this is for our health. But when I gave birth to Leia, I spent almost three hours trying to push her out, guided, coached, pushing, even though I wasn't ready to push, even though she wasn't remotely close to being in a place that would trigger the body to push. You know, I never had a push contraction and it wrecked my pelvic floor totally wrecked my pelvic floor, but I didn't know. I didn't really understand. And I would have moments where like an ecstatic dance, if I jumped a lot, like I would pee myself a little bit. And then I would ask friends and people about that. And they're like, yeah, yeah, but that's normal. After you give birth, like, yeah, it's not like you can like jump on a trampoline and stuff, which weirdly I could kind of do. (laughs) There's like certain things I could do and certain things I couldn't do, but the consensus was just like, after you've had a baby, peeing yourself a little bit during certain moments, like jumping on a trampoline, like that's just, that's just what it is. Newsflash, that is not normal. That should not happen to anybody. And it means that we need some rehabbing. It means that we need some support in that area of our lives. Holy shit. That's a huge thing. It's not normal. But everyone told me it's normal. So I was like, okay. And it didn't bother me. It wasn't like I was, it wasn't like I had a career as a trampoline instructor, okay, or like this kind of ecstatic dance where I jumped a lot, like I did that a lot. Like, no, it it didn't bother me in my day to day. So I didn't think of it. I never thought I need to build strength and flexibility because there's such a thing as 
creating tension in the pelvic floor, I've learned. If you just strengthen it, you become tense and you can get pain. Like I've learned a lot lately. So anyway, so this birth, I feel like was, I'm really grateful, was very gentle on my pelvic floor because I didn't have to push. There was basically almost no pushing, like barely, barely, barely any pushing. So I think the pelvic floor weakness that I'm experiencing is from my first labor, or I know it's from my first labor. But what happens, you know, when you're pregnant is you have all of this weight, this whole baby and placenta and all the fluids and everything is just sitting on your pelvic floor, literally held up by your pelvic floor the whole entire time. And then you give birth, everything is just, (laughs) for lack of a better term, like everything is just so weak. I mean, it's so, it's, it's been stretched to its max capacity. So if you spend all day on your feet after having given birth, even if your birth was easy and smooth and you didn't feel like you had any complications and like you need to lie down because your pelvic floor needs time to heal. Your pelvic floor needs time to recenter itself, you know, and, and just kind of begin to start the process of getting back to something solid. And when we stand up, all the weight of our inner organs and everything and reproductive organs and everything just sits on the pelvic floor. So we need to rest. And if we start working out, like lifting weights and squatting and picking up heavy things, and we're not doing that correctly, or if our pelvic floor is not ready for that, um, we can really injure ourselves, like we can really harm ourselves for the long term. So I was really mindful of this, which is why I worked with a personal trainer when I started training, just so I could start really gently and start in a way that made sense for where my body was. And I think I'm getting to a place now where I could continue doing this alone. Like I have enough knowledge now and I feel steady enough in my body that I don't really need to work with someone every week, but it's really helpful. And she gives me a new routine every time she comes. So I have like a new thing to do. And she lets me know like, hey, I think we can add some weight here now. Or yeah, it's just if you can afford it, it's a it's a really good investment, I think, postpartum. You can also see a pelvic floor, like physical therapist. Like there's so many people who do great work in these areas. So yeah, so I step into my little space. I do my routine. Like I start with just a workout because I feel like that's what I really want to get to first. I'm excited. I have that little deadline of baby could wake up any moment. And I do this training, this little routine. And I, I do a different one every day, but it takes me 20 minutes. Okay. I'm not like, you know, in the gym for an hour and a half doing this thing. Like, no, I spend 20 minutes. (laughs) That's all. And sometimes it's 15. But generally, like 20 minutes, I'm doing these things with the weights. (laughs) I'm doing little push-ups. I'm doing little squats with little things. I don't know the names for anything anymore. I've made up all my own names (laughs) for all the things I'm doing. But I do them. And I do them every day. I do the thing takes me 20 minutes. If baby hasn't woken up by then, then I'm really excited. I have more time. I am in my yoga practice immediately. I just transition from strength training to yoga, which I feel is such a beautiful combination. And depending on the time I have, like I I might have 30 whole minutes of just yoga practice after having that 20 minutes of strength training where I just get to intuitively flow from post to post depending on what I need that day. And I might move really slowly and gently and just linger forever in a pose that feels so yummy. I might have a really intense kind of dynamic practice where I'm 
I'm almost ready for a chaturanga again. Almost. I'm on my knees still and, you know, taking my time. And then if by some miracle, baby's still not awake, then I do my breath work. I do some hypopressives, which is this miracle thing for your pelvic floor. If you haven't heard of it, look it up. Hypopressive training. It's really cool. I do my pranayama. I do my breath work. I sit in silence for a moment and regardless of if at this point the baby has woken up, I go for my dip and I walk barefoot down to the lake and I swim out into the cold, cold lake. I usually bring a little dry brush. I have a brush and I dry brush my body head toward the heart, head to toe um, before I jump in. And then I walk barefoot back up, take a shower, put my clothes on, brush my teeth, you know, and I'm just like ready for that baby, you know, arms stretched out. Like I'm so I feel so good. I'm so happy. I feel so grounded and alive and strong. And it's just this magical thing. And if the whole thing takes 20 minutes one day, or if the whole thing takes one hour one day, because sometimes it's an hour, sometimes it's 20 minutes, it doesn't really matter. And that's the cool part. It's like, I don't need an hour every day. If I have an hour every day, that's magical. And I'm so grateful. But if what I have that day is 20 minutes, as long as I show up for myself and as long as I do the thing I feel is most helpful to me that day, it changes everything. And it sets me up for a whole different kind of day just by doing that thing. And if I haven't slept, if we've had a really bad night, if I'm feeling low, if something's not great, sometimes moving my body really intensely to the point of sweating helps me combat that, helps helps me counter that and it lifts me back up. But sometimes it's not at all what I need. Sometimes I'm, I'm really, truly depleted from not having slept. And then I do my gentle stretches. I do my breath work. I take my time. You know, I, I slow everything down. And I might sit on the dock just breathing for a little bit. And I just, I, I, I do what I need every day. But I really try to meet my needs depending on the day. And it's been such a revelation for me that the, the point, the important thing is not what I do. The important thing is not how long I get to do it for. The important thing is not what the end result becomes at the end of that. The point is showing up. The point is just stepping into that space that holds the energy of the self-care practices that I'm doing. The point is taking that first step out of the house to walk down to the lake. And then it doesn't really matter what happens after that. But I started, right? I'm showing up. I'm here. I'm doing the thing for me. And if I get 10 minutes, awesome. If I get an hour, awesome. If all I get is 10 minutes, showing up that day means it's going to be easier for me to show up tomorrow in the same way. And tomorrow, maybe I get a whole hour. And maybe that hour every day or those 20 minutes every day, maybe it ends up actually changing my life. And that's where I am now, where I've done this for I don't know how many weeks in a row where every day I'm there showing up and I'm starting to feel just this ginormous shift inside. I started to feel like I'm excited at the end of the day. Like I'm, I go to bed with Finn and we step into our little cave, you know, and we have a long night ahead. I don't know. Am I going to be awake eight times tonight, 10 times tonight? Am I going to have long stretches of not getting any sleep or will we sleep really well and just wake up two or three times to eat? Like, I don't know. What I do know is there's no scenario here where I sleep through the night. Like that's not happening. But is it going to be a very hard night or is it just a regular night, right? I don't know. But I'm kind of excited even as I step into that little cave because I know tomorrow morning I get to step back into my own body and I get to do those things that make me feel good. 
And then I can receive and be with this baby all day and just give him 100% of myself without feeling resentful or exhausted or like I would rather be somewhere else. Like, no, I really want to be here with him doing exactly this because I get to bring myself along. I don't have to abandon myself to parent him and to nurture him. I get to actually fill my own cup and have that cup overflow enough to hold both of us. And doing that, it's just the most remarkable thing. And I really want to just inspire anyone listening. And this, of course, doesn't have to mean just postpartum or with the baby, like whatever stage you are at in life, to just start showing up for yourself at the same time every day, but making it a non-negotiable thing every single day. And if you're having a horrible time, you're going through something really heavy and difficult, if you're sick, if you're in pain, you still show up. And the thing you do might change. How much time you spend there might change. You know, the energy that you're there with might completely change every day. And it should change as you change, right? But you show up and you imprint that in in yourself and in your day that this is how we start the day if that's the time that works for you, or this is how we end the day, if that's the better time for you, or this is what we do at sunset. Like you find that window where this is the easiest for you to get to ask for the help you need to make this logistically work for yourself. Change things around. If you need to change things around, maybe you need to get up earlier. So you have 20 minutes for yourself before everybody wakes up. And if that means you're really tired because you're not sleeping enough, maybe you need to go to bed 20 minutes earlier. Like what can you shift in your life to actually support yourself enough to give yourself this window to show up? That's the work. And then we just show up (laughs) every day. Just show up every day. Find the things that are most supportive for you, whether that's going for that run or dancing in your living room or just a little stretch or sitting with tea or maybe you're working with herbs or you're journaling or you're doing some amazing made up workout at home like you're doing your thing find out what that is what is most helpful have those resources and then make them happen every day I uh, I know I'm kind of on a soapbox now but I really am feeling a huge shift in my well-being just from having this window every every single day And I wouldn't let it go for anything. So yeah, that's where I am. I hope you are in a place where you are also feeling at least set up well to have a good routine and taking care of yourself that works. And it has to be sustainable. It has to be something that works long term. It can't be too overpowering or too demanding or too logistically difficult to get to. It has to be kind of easy. Right. And we know those little small incremental changes really add up over time. And this is the season. Truly, this is the season. This is the season to get back into a disciplined rhythm that works beautifully for you because you deserve to feel great, not just to get by, you know, not just to make it through the day. You deserve to start your day having brushed your teeth, okay, (laughs) wearing clothes, you know, like bare minimum hopefully having moved your body and had a moment to connect with yourself as well. But yeah, we all deserve to feel really, really good. Thank you for joining me for tea and cupcakes today, or tea and muffins today. I am really grateful that you're here. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back next week. 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoy the show, make sure you listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes of From the Heart with Rachel Brayton. This was a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio, and I'll see you next week.